0: And we're going to start our service with a prayer. So if you'd bow your heads. Thank you, Father, for gathering us here again. Thank you, Father, for everything you do for us. You made us you made us amazing, complex and beautiful. And you you give us everything. You give us so many things that we can't even begin to comprehend all the things you you do for us and continue to do for us. But Father, we come this morning, to thank you, especially that you not only made us, but that you have spoken to us. You are everything we need you to be, Lord. You're there with uncompromising and candid words when we need to hear it, but you're also there to speak comfort and hope, pouring out your heart to us. And we ask you, Lord, to play your part with us this morning, to speak to us, to move us, to change us. And I hope we are ready to play ours, listening, looking for where you want us to be, ready to follow and respond, ready to accept your help and ready to praise and bow down before you. Please be with us this morning. We ask it in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. And we're going to, straight away, we're going to have our first reading. It's from Isaiah chapter 12. It's the first, we're having two readings from the daily readings today and th- this one really sets the scene for our service this morning, for our time together. It tells the story of God's mercy to us that brought us from a natural state, from where we are, far away from God, bringing us, that God stopped being angry but he didn't just stop being angry, he took us much further than that. He took us to be close to him and he's leading us to a place Uh, where we can be changed and when we can give praise to him and uh, we can proclaim his name to tell others about the good things he has done for us. So we're going to read together um, Isaiah chapter 12 and John's going to read that for us. Thank you.
1: Isaiah chapter 12 In that day you will say, I will praise you, O Lord, Although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day you will say, Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known among the nations what he has done, and proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. John. It's a lovely passage that, isn't
0: it? We're going to sing now about this work that God is doing um, with us. God is my strong salvation. Interesting in this, um, something that you might see where these thoughts have come from, but as I was thinking about today, I noticed it said um, in this hymn, uh, in darkness and temptation, he is near. And it just struck me that sometimes we think maybe when we're being tempted that God isn't near and where we're in a, when we're in a dark place that God maybe isn't near but well, that's really not true. Um, and there's a, a lovely understatement in there. A, a theme, one of the themes of this morning service is about mercy. And it says, mercy thy days shall lengthen. And I just felt that was a, a little bit of an understatement. So, uh, oh and one last thing, a science, It's in the last last uh one of the verses later on means uh, a solemn promise or a trust, a solemn pledge, sorry, or a promise, okay, so we start sing this together, God is my strong salvation.
2: If you remain seated, then let's bring all these people before God in prayer, Father. be with us in this time of quietness. We've spoken out the names of so many people that we love and care for. And there are times, Father, when our own suffering, the suffering of others, When grief for all the hard things about being human leaves us weak, powerless, speechless, because sometimes it seems beyond our comprehending. And you know, Father that there are people that we can't speak of, who carry their own private griefs and their own private pain. And they're no secret to you either. And we think of them too. we leave these people with you. We know that your capacity to work in their lives is greater than all that we might attempt to do. But give us courage, Father, to keep acting, to keep trying, to keep faith. that we'll see an end to this. That the future ahead of us is bright. And however long we have to cling on to, how hard it might seem. We pray that your presence, our love of our Lord Jesus, and our hope in your future kingdom will be enough for us until we see all those things in their glorious reality. Amen.
0: I'm going to sing our next uh, hymn together. And just as we're thinking about. Um, eating some bread and drinking some wine, as Jesus asked us to. And I've got some thoughts to share with you before we do that. We've got a time, a quiet time, when we come before God, when we try and focus on Him. And when we try and meet Him again, if we've forgotten what He looks like during the week. And when we come to the living God, you might think it would be a scary thing because as in in this song it says um, nothing is hidden from him nothing is hidden from God so you might think that would be a scary thing apart from the fact that as well as him knowing us we also know him we also know God a God of love I come to you again knowing I'll find mercy We find mercy and strength and peace and power to overcome and love all the things that we're going to sing about now. Um, so you can stand and we'll sing this together. Like sit down, please. Going to have the next of our readings from the daily readings today, uh, which uh, Johnny is going to read for us now. I'm just going to tell you a little bit. If this is a little bit of a fact about this reading. Um, I wrote this, the thoughts for today are based on today's readings. Um, I didn't know I was going to be doing the service today. I was actually scheduled to be doing it in a month's time. Alex made a swap with me. I completely forgot I was doing the swap, and um, I remembered when the announcements were done last week. So it's a bit of a, a one in three hundred sixty-five chance that we're actually the readings and the so thoughts are all tied together. So I think, I figure, God wants one of you out there to hear these thoughts um, from this reading today. So John even to come and read. Paul,
3: an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God, our Saviour, and Christ Jesus, our hope. To Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus, So that you may command certain men not to teach false doctrines any longer Nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies These promote controversies rather than God's work, which is by faith The goal of this command is love Which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith Some have wandered away from these and turned to meaningless talk They want to be teachers of the law But they do not know what they are talking about or what they so confidently affirm. We know that the law is good if one uses it properly. We also know that law is is not made for the righteous, but for the lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for adulterers, for perverts, for slave traders and liars and perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine, that conforms to the glorious gospel of the blessed God which he entrusted to me I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me faithful appointing me to his service even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honour and glory for ever and ever. Amen. Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by following them you may fight the good fight holding on to the faith and a good conscience some have rejected these and so have shipwrecked their faith along with them are Hymenaeus and Alexander whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme
0: Thanks Johnny I Michael Griffiths I'm a sinner in fact I am the worst sinner that I know by a long way if I were to write down a list the names of every person that I've ever heard of from all history and if I was to write down on this list against every name the number of sins I know each person to have committed. The number of sins against my own name would be orders of magnitude greater than for any other person in the history of the world. If I were to include in this list all the secret evil thoughts that exist inside people's heads, the evil thoughts I actually know about, The number against my name would be greater than the sum total of every other person added together. And I suspect every other person who will ever be added together. I'm not even going to think about the sins of the good that I could have done but didn't do. And the character flaws And then there's a smaller list. The list of acts of wickedness that make me feel sick. The wicked acts that sicken me the most. And I'm just looking down the top 40. And you know the artist on every single one of those is the same me. What's more, the vast majority of wrongdoing and sin that I know about from other people. If I'm really forced, and I probably need to be forced, if I'm forced to be honest, I don't know the details. I don't know the mitigating factors. I don't know, I don't really know the external pressures when considering the guilt of all those other people on that list. But I know my own faults. I know how few the pressures, how feeble the excuses, how little the benefit of the doubt is deserved. And I'm not pretending, I'm not exaggerating, but from where I stand, this is the genuine and terrible truth. I am a sinner and as far as I can see with all the reliable facts available to me I am the worst sinner please turn with me to the reading we just read uh, 1 Timothy please rest of our service now to the end we're going to be led through by three verses in the reading that we read and this is the first the first part of that reading here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance so okay the next few verses after this the next paragraph to verse 17 it's a saying Um, a a trustworthy saying uh, intended uh, by the writer Paul to be something worth remembering uh, useful uh, for me and you to commit to memory that's what a saying is isn't it Um, and to be used in our daily life and I don't think this is it's very interesting saying this because Mixed in it are personal declarations. And I don't think they've got brackets around them and they're not included in the saying. Uh, They occur a few times. I don't think this verse, or the next verses rather, um, are peculiar to Paul. I don't think this saying is just to Paul. Why would Paul write a saying that is only useful to him? It's not just for him, it's for everyone. So the I, in this saying, in these next few verses that we're going to be thinking about, is you, and it's me. And the me's in in the passage is the same. It's me and you. And this is a saying that deserves full acceptance. Okay? I guess that means acceptance by everyone I guess it also means that each individual should fully accept the same this is the next part Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst so just going to think a little bit about the word sin for a moment, because it's one of those religious words, isn't it, that we only really use it in religious contexts. Um, and it's, it's, there's lots of reasons why we, where we are today, we struggle to understand what this word means. I've got a really interesting passage that's related to this um, I was thinking about. Often people think the word sin means just extreme acts of wickedness, and I just looked this. Um, Jesus said these words, just speaking to his disciples, the people who were listening to him, the people his followers. If you then, though you are evil, know how to could give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And that, it's one of those things that it, it, it's just it feels like a throwaway comment it's just at the drop of a hat Jesus called his disciples evil and I think it really it's a little insight to me that how we as human beings tend to think of what evil is is all wrong if Jesus can at the drop of a hat you know with the smile on his face facing his disciples whom he loved just call them evil then that tells you something about what evil and sin is and there's lots of other papers Uh, passages in the Bible that we could look at, we've not got really time today, Uh, that say, this is one example, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's from uh, another one of Paul's letters to the church at Rome. Uh, And there's more reasons why the word sin is hard for us to accept. In the past, the churches have used this idea of evil and sin to oppress people to bring loyalty and obedience to the church um, through fear and, in some cases, even just to make money. And I think it really doesn't help our modern psyche easily take on board this idea, this message of the Bible about sin, about sin being in us, about sin being in everybody. The next thing to learn about sin... It's a very important thing it's about how do you measure sin we're going to be thinking about uh, sinners, about about us how do we measure sin to know if we are sinners or not or how bad a sinner we are and I think this is one of Jesus' pet subjects if you like I don't, I don't know if that's the right way to describe it but Jesus quite often talks about this um, in his sermon on the, on the mount he's sort of, if you like across the board, across all different kinds of activities, readdressing the balance of how people measure sin. And I've got just one example. Um, This is from Matthew chapter 5. You've heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And I think Jesus is taking all the existing ideas that people have that seem right and good to people, that you measure sin by external signs. And he's encouraging us to focus on the underlying things. Before anything is visible outside, Jesus is refocusing refocusing us on what's inside, what's inside us. And I think it's natural for us as human beings to measure sin and wrongdoing and evil as if it was a crime. Because that's That's how our society works. That's how we're conditioned to think about wrongdoing. We think about crime when... How it affects other people. We think about... um, We think about crime when you're caught. And all the things that Jesus talks about when he talks about sin... You can't measure it. You can't measure it with uh, any of you. You can't hear it. You can't see it. You can't smell it. Um, there's no equipment you can set up somewhere secretly to record it. It was, In the example we looked at, it was just inside someone's heart. And I think it's really important that when we're talking about sin, we understand what Jesus is telling us and what the message of the Bible is about sin. i say a little phrase now. Uh, just think in your mind when I say it, how many times have you heard this phrase before? I'm not a bad person. I'm basically, I'm a good person. Uh, I think to me it's something I hear a lot of people say. It's a very common um, <coughs> belief, if you like. And I think it's... Uh, most human beings on the planet have that as an involuntary uh, feeling about themselves involuntary reaction and I think God's message about sin is hard to accept every bone in our body every bone in your body and my body is in denial about God's message about sin every facet of our culture vehemently opposes the truth of the Bible message about sin, we're, we're fed the comforting propaganda um, that the good insiders and the good in people like us will overcome evil. That's what we—that's what we see in all human fantasies, like films and TV and stuff like that.
1: it's always far
0: away, it's always alien, it's from outer space or it's from some ancient supernatural being, evil and it's inhuman and it would be very easy very comfortable in the private world of my own head to measure myself in this way to measure myself from the outside, looking at the external signs with worldly eyes paint the picture of evil being as far away as me as I can get it and to pat myself on the back and to feel good about my own strengths easy that is if I ignore Jesus if I don't listen to Jesus' words uh, Jesus said these words it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. There's some interesting questions from that. If you're not a sinner, did Jesus actually come to call you? If you're not sick, do you need the doctor? If you don't feel you're sick, do you not feel the need for the doctor. And there's other problems with thinking about sin, with accepting this message, because part of the denial is transferring the guilt about sin to other people. And so this this idea that thinking that we are the worst sinner from where we stand is a really, really hard idea. It's the exact opposite of what naturally we want to do. But Jesus tells us that compared to the plank in our own eye, it's just a speck of sawdust in everyone else's eye. That's how the comparison of our sin should feel like. And we're not supposed to be judging other people in the same, one of the same passages where Jesus talks about that. Judging is where you... I mean, my mind, judging is what a judge does. They pass sentence. It's not about whether they did it or not. We're not pretending people don't do bad things. It's the sentence. How worthy are those people because of what they've done? We need to, in humility, treat other people and consider other people better than ourselves. So, I've laid it on thick there, haven't I? You're probably in despair right now. It's a really hard message to handle. I don't think it is humanly possible to handle the Bible message about sin if you just read the bit, the words that I talk about sin. There will be no self-esteem in us. There will be no sense of self-worth. We'll be cut to pieces, weighed down beyond our ability to cope. really important that in that verse there before, in every verse in the Bible where you see it talking about sin there's always verses surrounding it, Or oh, in, in saying Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst, so put, the, the saying isn't as I've just done to you, lay it on stick about sin let you stew in your own guilt and then we'll come afterwards and we'll talk about mercy. That's never how the message of the Bible works. That's never how it's going to work. We won't be able to accept the level of guilt that is really due from what is inside of us. We focus first on the fact that Jesus has already saved us. Before any sin was even known about, it's already been done. It's the very purpose of why Jesus came into the world was to save sinners. think in order to accept this message about sin, we need to know who God is. We need to know that he's not about cutting us down. He's not about laying burden on top of us. He's about mercy. He's about lifting us up. Lifting us up higher than it would be humanly possible to lift us up. If you can take hold of Jesus' hand, He can walk with you into the deep, dark cellar of your soul. That room hidden below that no one else is allowed to see and that you would like to pretend doesn't exist. And together you can gaze on the dirt and the depravity and the perversion and the selfishness. And if Jesus is there, you can walk deeper down those other steps than you could have ever managed by your own strength. To see the truth about who you really are inside. But if you trust God, you won't be left in pain. All this guilt and all this hard to understand truth won't leave you in pain. All it will do is enhance your appreciation of His immense patience. What's interesting about this is that God's mercy includes the worst sinner. And I'm assuming that means all the people who are not the worst sinner and all the whole gamut of sinners everyone's included there's no exclusion there's no threshold after which it doesn't work God's mercy switches off or starts to diminish it's not like that God's sin strategy is a one size fits all approach no matter how dirty how filthy our slate is it's one solution wiped clean for everyone. It's, again, we're hitting things that are hard for us to understand because it's not how we deal with people who wrong us. It's a hard thing for us to accept. But surely, surely if we're the worst sinner, if we're a really, really desperately bad sinner, surely there's some negative aspects surely there's some downsides I don't think there are if you can accept God's mercy there are no downsides to being the world's worst sinner Jesus was once sharing uh, a meal with someone who had this problem who had this problem of understanding uh, about sin he was a religious type called Simon and his particular problem of understanding was to do with a woman who was in the room who he believed uh, was a much worse sinner than him. And Jesus asked Simon a question. Little story. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 and the the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. And then Jesus talked to Simon about the woman for a little bit um, and eventually he says, talks about this woman's great love and he says, whoever has been forgiven little loves little. So I think there's actually advantages to being the world's worst sinner. It's not a disadvantage. If you can accept God's mercy and you're the world's worst sinner, that's good. Because your love, you must love God the biggest. And I don't think Jesus is talking to Simon saying, well Simon, what you need to do is go out there and get some sin under your belt and then we can come back and talk and you can get forgiven and then you'll know what loving God is about. I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about. I think Jesus just wanted Simon to understand about his own sin and have some humility. And I don't know, maybe you sometimes, if you're like me, you sometimes think your love for God is a little bit smaller than it should be. It could do with being a bit bigger. And maybe that, this is the key. Or one, one of the things we should be checking that uh, we could think about how we've been forgiven. We're going to carry on looking at this verse and we're going to stop there for now. And we're going to take time to come before God and we're going to try and be honest about who we are before God. Knowing who he is, knowing that when we come before God we will find mercy and that it's already been done. And before we break bread and wine we're gonna to sing together our next hymn, which is from two hundred and twenty seven in the Christadelphian hymn book. Bread of the world in Mercy Broken. Let's ask Trevor if he'd like to come and lead our given thanks for the
4: wine, please. Father? spend quite a bit of time at the bottom of the cellar steps. Help me, help us to remember that you Father and you Jesus are there with your arm and hand held out to pull us up. As Mike's already said, we've no right to share this feast. We bring nothing to the party of our own. This bread is shared amongst us as a gift. As a gift given to people who do not in any way, shape or form deserve it. And we thank you for it. We thank you for seeing us as we are and loving us anyway. For seeing us as we act, as we behave and continually reaching out your hands to lift us up. As we Use our hands to pass this bread round amongst us. Help us to remember we're all going through that journey, and help us to share this bread together, blessed by you. And help us to all embrace the love that He's given to us, unconditionally. Thank you, Father, for this bread. Thank you, Jesus, for this bread, for this love. Help us to continually thank you for it. Amen.
5: Almighty Lord, we thank you for the power of honesty and the value of the exhortation this morning to examine ourselves and to face the beauty of serious introspection and in thanking you now for the salvation through Jesus I can't help thinking of an incident you have left on record for us and that is when Joshua had passed through the miracle of salvation through water he was greeted by a man with a drawn sword to whom he said are you with us or with our enemies and the man said neither I am commander of the armies of the Lord and from that Lord God he, 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 he expected from Joshua immediate reverence by the removing of his clothing of shoes and he, he also expected partnership and because Joshua was about to face the cesspit of sin represented by Jericho not only then but later Lord through partnership with you and through reverence for you, he found victory. And this man, who represented your commanding of the army, he had salvation. And they came; he came to the promised land. Oh Lord, I ask you to forgive me for this revelation, so to speak. But it reminds me seriously of what we are now remembering. We have passed through the miraculous power and salvation of water and we have now faced the second Joshua Jesus was the commander of all the armies of salvation and because we might be able to learn from this remembrance from fellowship together and from the power of your word we are able to learn the power of partnership with you and reverence for you in our lives we also will be enabled strongly to overcome the cespits of sin within us and come to the promised land except our thanks we pray for these divine arrangements that you have set up, we thank the Lord Jesus Christ for the power of love and amazing grace he showed us and when we leave this place we pray you will be with us all, help us to have been enriched and learned this morning and to go forward in faith and in victory. Hear us and accept us and forgive where we do Fair we pray, in the name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ.
4: Amen.
0: Would like to stand and we'll sing our next hymn together? Hallelujah, my Father, for giving us your Son sending him into the world to be given up for men in this little saying, this passage to me it shows me what an amazing positive message the message in the Bible about sin really is God has done what I think only God can do God turns a negative life into a positive life. God has taken our dirt and he's turned it into a cleaning agent for other people. Isn't that amazing? Isn't our God amazing? So we can become a living pattern for other people. But from what we've read, what is this pattern? What is this example for other people? It's not um, a band of do-gooders with axes to grind and Bibles to bash and morals to preach uh, from a high horse. It's not, not simply examples of good behaviour. That's not what we've been reading about this morning. The example that we are is that we're a community of broken people a community of broken people who have learnt to their amazement that God loves them anyway and because of that we want to know God better and deeper and we long so badly for the eternal life a life away from the sin A life, not just about life that lasts forever, but a life with the eternal God. And the example, we're demonstrating not the goodness of us. That's not not the kind of examples we are. The kind of examples we are is that we demonstrate the goodness of God. And the goodness of Jesus. what about any other sinner any other sinner who wants in well they can be welcomed gladly as an equal or more than that as someone with a little speck in their eye that needs helping but that's nothing compared to the plank that's in our eye we're going to sing our next song now and it's about the song is about the life that we lead this example with God on our side and it shows that it's okay that we're weak it's almost expected that we're weak and it shows that God is strong and as John said in his prayer it's a partnership and God is working with us and God is enabled to work in us Sit down,
4: please.
0: Musicians, you might as well stay there. Sorry. What an amazing God we do have. I think that's why the saying ends with praise. Praise at what God has done. What's the opposite of patting yourself on the back? If we're talking, remember I was talking before about pretending that we're good, really, and patting ourselves on the back. What's the opposite? Hitting yourself on the head, yeah. Okay, that's that's, or um, yeah, beating yourself up is what I first thought. In the context of what we've been talking about this morning, I don't think it is. I think the opposite of patting yourself on the back is patting God on the back. Because God doesn't leave us thinking about our dreadfulness and our sin. He takes us beyond that. And he leads us into this relationship with him uh, and he just makes us thankful. Thankful all, all our sin does. The bigger sinner we are, the more we appreciate his immense patience. So, for the goodness, this, though I am the world's worst sinner, for the goodness that I see in my life, I thank God. I thank God for every opportunity to do good that God sent my way, for every temptation I've been delivered from, for every encouragement I've received from others, for the times when God works in my life to change me. I'm grateful for the life changing presence of Jesus, for the transforming message of the gospel. This is what enables me to handle the message about sin and my own weakness and appreciation of god's strength and it's his strength not mine i i thought it would be um nice for us to read the same together would, would you like to do that so okay so if you find 1 timothy chapter 1 we won't read the here is a trustworthy saying because that's like the heading isn't it really so we'll just read the saying if that's okay so verse 15 and we'll start where it says Christ Jesus came into the world okay you you all found it Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst but for that very reason I was shown mercy that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Now, to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, the honour and glory forever and ever. Amen. have a loving merciful God and Jesus is raised to be with God by his right hand side but he's also in this, as it says in, in later in this hymn um, he's here with us and God has a master plan uh, he's in control so uh, sing ye faithful, sing with gladness Lord God We are sinners. We do things, we think things that displease you, that in our minds make you seem very far away. And in our minds we feel ashamed and we feel guilt. But Lord, we thank you so much that that you spoke to us that you told us that it's okay thank you that you knew we were going to be like this and that you made preparations and that you poured your heart out to us you sent your son to die to show how much you loved us even though we were sinners Lord please help us in our lives help us to overcome the temptations we face help us in our own strength Lord it's like a brick wall and we bang our head against it and it doesn't go away and we keep doing the same sins over and over Lord help us to trust you help us to help us to be happy being weak happy to let your strength work in us, happy to tell other people about the wonderful things you've done in our lives and Lord we look forward to that time when you will be all in all and you'll be in us and sin will be just a memory Father thank you for your word, thank you for the time we've been able to share together this morning please accept our praise and our thanks in the name of Jesus, Amen